Progressive presents Get Pumped. Inspiration to help you do insurance stuff. Okay, time out. You're going to let your budget be the boss of you? Take control with Progressive's Name Your Price tool. Tell us what you want to pay for car insurance, and we'll help you find options that fit your budget. Here's some music to get you pumped. I hear your budget laughing at you. Oh, wait, that's just those kids laughing at me. Ignore them! Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello and welcome. This is your Managing Madrid podcast. Um, just me, Gabe Lezra, today to discuss um, Leganes uh, 0, Real Madrid 1. Great result from Real Madrid away at the Butarque. Um, I'm going to give you guys um, just a heads up. Like, I'm, I, We don't have very many questions or whatever. Um, I'm happy to talk a little bit about my thoughts about the game. I'm going to push this out publicly. Um, but I'm also going to give you guys some uh, of my other show, Let's Fix Football, where I talked with... Uh, James Rushton, who is one of the editors at uh, our AC Milan um, blog on SB Nation, the AC Milan Offside. He's also one of the editors of 7500 to Holt and Aston Villa blog. We talked about Milan's um, financial situation, which is quite, you know, struggling right now. Uh, and we also talked a little bit about the FIFA stuff um, with a few jokes. So I'm, I'm going to include, you know, a little chunk of that um, to uh, to tide you over a little bit as we've had a little bit of a staffing issue on the other end of the show with uh, no one able to join me tonight, which is um, totally cool and fine. It was a little bit of last minute. I hope you guys enjoyed yesterday's show with Keon, um, the patrons, that is. This is going to be um, for everybody. So let's uh, jump quickly into the match. I think... Um, the general takeaway from this is that, again, Madrid has been lacking with their verticality, lacking with uh, uh, their offensive creation. And I think that Keon did a pretty good job, or not just a pretty good job, a very good job of analyzing and, and, and breaking down exactly what's going on with that uh, respect. And unfortunately, you know, one of the things that we've all kind of hoped is that this this kind of stuff would change you know, with the introduction of some of these other players. And it just, it didn't look like that today. I think, you know, one of the, the things that I got a little bit dragged for was looking at these players kind of individually and saying, I actually think there are a lot of good things to take away from this match. Uh, in particular, I thought that uh, Marcos Llorente actually put in quite a good shift, both defensively and in his ability to recycle possession. I mean, he's never going to be the type of player to make so many of those super vertical clinical final passes. That's just not his game. He was good though. I thought in getting the counterattacks going and then in recycling possession, I think he put in a good shift defensively. Um, there was a little bit less consensus on Teo, who I thought, you know, was, was kind of the target of this match on Leganes's part for whatever their small attack could muster. I thought he, he basically did a good job in standing against that. I mean, you know, again, and, and one of the things that I want to emphasize with kind of these prospect watch things is these are people that you're projecting. And so what you're looking for are the kind of things that are replicable, that, you know, indicate the kind of player he can become. So, for example, Sergio Ramos, when he was a young player, was good, but not, you know, a legend yet. And he was widely regarded as a strong attacking right back, but who had some real defensive flaws. Obviously, he has become a very steady defensive center back who loses his head a little bit. I think a lot of the same stuff could be said about Theo also. So that that's something that 
wanted to reiterate, I still am very much in on tail. I think he has got a great projection and I do buy him defensively and not just as like a Gareth Bale left back turned left wing turned striker. I really do think of him more as a, as, as an all around defensive player. So uh, you know, despite everything, I, I do buy in on Teo. I will also say Vallejo looks so good, but, you know, again, he's had an injury. He came down with his hamstring. He looked quite in pain. It, it's not clear the extent as I'm recording this right now. Um, the guesses that I've seen were a few weeks. I think that's that's probably a, a, about on the money for where we are now. I mean, hopefully it's not anything worse. He, I mean, look, he, he has been, I think, of all of the kids – my favorite when he's been on the pitch and it's just devastating to watch him go down again. Uh, you know, this is, this is part of the problem with this, this year's Madrid squad or these injuries. And this is just another, you know, another peg on that board. So um, yeah, let's, let's talk quickly about some of the other uh, standouts. I mean, obviously, look, I think, and I said this, uh, I think publicly, Dani Ceballos is the kind of player who you know goes into this type of match with a lot of want. He's got this this absolute ability to you know go in and and bring everyone's else else's energy up. The problem is that when he's not on, uh, his running his his want is a little unfocused, and that leads to you know just him being in kind of strange positions a lot. Uh, I love Donny Ceballos. He's an incredible player already. I think he's got a lot of room to grow. Tonight was not one of his best matches. He came off. Um, Zidane said it was an injury. Uh, I think he was probably pulled up a little bit. I mean, he is the type of guy to run out and run hard. Um, otherwise, generally, I think that I think the hottest take that I have about this match, folks, is that I I'm just not a huge Borja Mayoral fan. I get the hype. I get some of the some of the issues around there. I just. I don't think he's really shown it to me at all this season. And to the extent that I think another loan spell, maybe somewhere in Spain is due. Um, you know, I, I don't think that about almost any of the other youngsters. He, he I really just, I, I don't think he's quite at the level, despite the fact that I think he does have the raw talent. I just don't see it. Um, obviously Asensio needs more time. <laughs> he is the real deal. And his goal was a thing of beauty uh, on a beautiful tail cross. And he just absolutely accurately, and perfectly with perfect power channeled that ball into the upper corner minute 88 great to see madrid snag a late win that has not been the norm for us this uh, uh, for madrid this season unlike last year right um but yeah so that 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 was huge and that's actually been one of the big differences in the season for madrid right where you know whereas last year madrid might get themselves into complicated situations late in matches they would often be saved either by goals from ramos or morata or someone so in this case, that 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 was Asensio coming to the rescue. He is Real Madrid's top scorer with eight goals on the season. I mean, this team is just not scoring, guys. And Asensio, this was his first start since November, which is bonkers. So, I mean, he needs more time. I, I think that the obvious answer is that he's going to have to come in more for Benzema uh, despite everything else. I mean, my guess as we stand now, there's probably going to be a bit of a house cleaning come you know summer. I just hope that that house cleaning is respectful and understanding of all of the extremely exciting young talent. Again, like people like Kovacic, sure, he missed an open goal. You know, he, he needs to put that ball on target, but he still showed all of the characteristics that make him a really important player for the future of this team. Obviously, when Isco and Modric came on, suddenly Madrid's attacks were a little bit more biting. Against a Leganes defense, like, I think it's only fair to say you have to give them a tremendous amount of credit for coming in with a really composed team. 
uh, and really looking to to break on on Madrid, you know, while maintaining an absolutely staunch and composed defense. Like they they did play a very good, solid game defensively, forcing Madrid to recycle possession, not allowing verticality, not allowing lots of space behind them. And they were finally broken down by what was, frankly, just a great couple of touches from, you know, Madrid's uh, build-up play. I mean, the great cross from Teo and then a perfect run from Asensio breaking into space exactly the way you need to. And then, you know, finding the only angle and the only, like, you know, uh, two-square-foot radius in the goal that the, that you can put the ball and make it still score, right? So it was big. Uh, and look, obviously... This is a huge result for Madrid. One nothing uh, away, no goals conceded, scoring a clean sheet or keeping a clean sheet while scoring an away goal. Big. Uh, going back to the Bernabeu, Madrid has to feel confident because any uh, uh, you know they could they feel must feel that they can win that match and they've already got that away goal advantage. So. Yeah, it's it's um, <laughs> it's it's definitely a kind of day of mixed emotions because, of course, and a lot, I think a lot of you who are listening probably didn't feel that this match was particularly exciting or good, and I I don't disagree with you, but I think um, in a year as bad as this has been, it's important to look for some of the positives, and one of the positives is still that this is a very young side with a lot of potential growth in all of these different areas. So if you like some of what you saw from some of the players, that's a big deal because a lot of these players are 19, 20, 21, like that. These players are still growing into not just their, their styles, their footballing abilities, but their own bodies. Right. So I, I, I encourage people who are really discouraged right now to try to look for some of the positives and where Madrid is. And again, Madrid uh, hasn't been this far in the Copa del Rey since they won it. This is a, a shot. I think Madrid has a legitimate shot of, of taking this competition, and that's another big trophy for Zidane. So just because the season is a, is, has been a struggle doesn't mean that it, everything is lost. And as I said at one other point, and this is the... I think the last thing I want to say uh, quickly is that if you're having a hard time, you know, watching the matches, if you're getting a lot of stress, if you're if you're taking out, you know, anger or whatever on uh, people close to you, it's totally cool and normal and, in fact, rational to take a break. It's okay to take a break from watching if you feel like you need uh, some space in order to uh, understand and, and, and value all the other things in your life, right? So, like, this is... Sports are the kind of thing that can really dominate who you are and, and it can really dominate your mood and can really dominate, you know, the, the, the other parts of your life that aren't sport related. And the truth is they don't matter enough to have that be a thing that, that happens for you. So, like, I totally get it. I've burned out on sports before. I'm glad that when I did need to take the time, I did. And it's totally fine. No one is going to judge you or call you a bad fan. If you need to step away from watching the club for a couple of weeks and come back with kind of a new, you know, frame and a new new vision and remi- reminder of like what what the broader purpose of kicking back, you know, on the couch with a beer and watching your team really is, which is fun and kicking, you know, and and, and de-stressing and, and engaging with the community of people who also like the same team. So that's, I know it's a little moralizing. I apologize. Not tons of analysis because uh, we don't have tons of other people <laughs> available to come on the show with me. I'm just sharing you my notes with you guys um, from this match. But yeah, I, I, uh, I would say that, you know, I'm just, just wrapping up my notes. I, 
was very excited to see the way Madrid set themselves up today. And it was a real disappointment to watch once again as the team just seemed to lack that verticality, that punch that you're really needing, you know, <laughs> that they have been absolutely lacking this whole season. The, you know, Kovacic one-on-one is exactly, you know, is if I could distill this entire season into a single moment, that is the moment that it would be like. This team creates you know, after a kind of lackluster half, a beautiful opportunity on goal, a very high XG moment. And then the player just bottles it, right? Like this isn't even a luck thing. Like he just missed and he didn't look for a pass. He just, he just bottled it. So, I mean, look, we need to work on all of that stuff uh, very hard because this is not the kind of thing that, you know, (laughs) can just be fixed with kind of fluky things at this point. Like this, you know, when we were talking earlier in the season, Keon and I talked about how a lot of these things get fixed as the luck evens out. Well, the luck will even out, but if you're not scoring goals like the one Kovacic had set up for him, like, it's not going to matter. So, you know, it's good that Madrid, you know, got this confidence of scoring and coming back in the late, uh, in, in minute 88. That's huge for the team, I think, this season. A huge result on the road. Uh, but they do need to work on the finishing, and and that's I think the 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 absolute underlying cause and the underlying issue of absolutely everything here is at this point it's not luck, it's straight up just people missing goals like the one that Kovacic had, uh, and uh, the one that Asensio didn't miss uh, in minute eighty eight. So uh, with that, I'm going to leave you with a couple of clips from our Let's Fix Football show with James Rushton. Um, you can follow James on Twitter. Uh, obviously, um, you can follow uh, the AC Milan offside on Twitter. You should follow uh, Let's Fix Football, Ballon d'Order, obviously, um, which is where Let's Fix Football is hosted. We're going to talk. So in these clips, you're going to hear us talk a little bit about Milan. Uh, we're going to make some jokes because uh, the show is at base a comedy football podcast. Uh, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about FIFA and about how um, – uh, FIFA is running a bunch of scams on everyone. So really kind of on brand stuff for me. Uh, so with that, I will be back on Sunday uh, with Keon and hopefully Ohm, who is studying abroad for a couple of weeks um, in Latin America, which is awesome. So shout out, much love to him um, and much love to the rest of the Managing Madrid crew and much love to all of our awesome patrons. You guys rule. I've been obviously following very closely if you guys have any uh, questions, just you can always hit me up personally on Twitter or on our Patreon page. So uh, just let us know uh, if you if you have anything to say to me. <laughs> and if you disagree with my analysis, it's totally cool to let me know that I'm a hack because, you know, I sort of am. All right. I hope you guys enjoy uh, the, these uh, short clips from Let's Fix Football. Before we get into any of that, James, let's talk a little bit about Milan. Um, so why don't you explain what's exactly going on? Because as far as I understand, that reports have uh, surfaced over the last week or so that Italian police have begun a money laundering investigation into the Berlusconi sale. Yeah, um, I don't re- I can't really say that I know what's going on because I don't think there's actually anyone that kind of really knows the full picture or full story. You know, things come out all the time. Like you guys had on your uh, website when uh, Liz wrote that article about Milan, fantastic article. It goes in so deep, but deeper than I could ever go in because of the backgrounds and of what you've studied and all the experience you've gained. But it's just, 
the situation at Milan is so it's so strange because I don't think I certainly can't remember seeing anything like, like this happen to such a big club. I mean, when you're talking big clubs, you're talking Real, Barcelona, Manchester United, Liverpool, and AC Milan. Yeah, and I don't think anything like this has happened to one of those quadrant of you know that small c- cluster of clubs where they have suddenly. I don't know what's happening. I don't know if the guy Young Kong Lee who. Are, "Quote unquote owns the club has any money? Um, I don't know. <laughs> Silvio, no, allegedly Silvio Berlusconi may have sold the club to an unknown party just to loan the money. Um, I say that allegedly because we don't know. I mean, Berlusconi's got his flaws and he's a bit weird, but we can't actually say he's sold the club to loan the money if he hasn't. And it could it could be that he hasn't. It could be that some complete random has come. He's forged assets and he's bought the club. But we may have the assets." Um, it's really, really, really one of the most up in the air situations that I've ever seen revolve around a football club because this guy could have everything he says, but it's extremely doubtful. Um, I can't go too deep on the money laundering stuff because it, it's literally something that has kind of been tucked away. They found a police report and it said, oh, they're, my, they're suspicious activity. Right. So that so, sends people. Yeah. So I agree with you, James, that nobody knows the full picture, but I am happy to speculate. Um, so, so I, so I did some, uh, I've done some money laundering work, um, in the past, um, legal work. And so I, I have some experience with, you know, how international money laundering regulations work. And so I, and I read around these and I have some, just some thoughts that are, like I said, complete speculation really about what might be going on. So a lot of the articles throw around the word money laundering, and I think they are using it in a way that's a little bit imprecise just because we think money laundering we think like oh you've got a bunch of dirty drug cash that you need to convert into something usable in banks and just general life and that is you know fundamentally what money laundering is but money laundering regulations a lot of times are they they refer to something more broadly um, that has to do with just money that has been used incident to any criminal action fraud something like that moving through the financial system banks are supposed to keep an eye out for this and report it when it happens. So in the U.S., that would be called a suspicious activity report. In Italy, apparently, it's called like suspicious operations and SOS, something like that. So my theory here is is we have kind of that fact of how the system operates, and then we have this this kind of potential fact that maybe this guy, it turns out, doesn't actually have any money, and maybe he falsified assets in order to get the loans he needed to justify purchasing Milan or actually be able to physically, you know, close the deal. So my thought is that when they came out that Lee might not have any actual cash, the banks then went back and looked to see do do they know have, have some of the fundamental information about the money that they're supposed to have in order to under the regulations you know, work on a deal without reporting to authorities. Do they know whose money it is? Do they know where it came from, what its source was, where it's going, all that stuff? They might have realized, we didn't really know as much about this guy's assets as we thought we did or what we thought we knew came into question. They then filed the SOS with the Italian authorities who are now looking into it uh, to see whether or not some kind of fraud has been committed. That's kind of my theory that yeah. rather, rather rather than a theory that there has been that Berlusconi had illicit funds that were laundered through the transaction. My theory really is that the Italian authorities are looking to see whether or not a fraud happened uh, essentially between Lee and the bank um, when he claimed certain assets to justify the, the, the purchase of the club. 
Here's what I'll say. I, I think it's really immoral of Silvio Berlusconi to uh, launder the money that he used to start ISIS through this club. I think it's really bad. <laughs> no, but <laughs> in, all, in all seriousness, here's, here's what I – so I actually – this is like a really weird confluence because I, I didn't plan on doing a real deep dive with this stuff. But I, I'll note also this. I actually did also used to practice – law in banking regulation and one of the things that we would advise and and in the united states maybe that's different from italy is that that basically there are a series of transactions that or types of transactions that trigger the submission of an sar suspicious activity report to the financial crimes enforcement network in the united states or fincen and a lot of times there's not actually any uh there's not any any human being that looks over those when they're when they're triggered, if that makes sense. So there's actually just a series of parameters that you program because these banks do these huge amounts of transactions all the time. Like th this is the kind of thing that could have been because they said there are three different uh, indications of suspicious operations. It could literally just be that parts of the deal and and the way the deal was financed included. They, a transfer of money from accounts that have previously been flagged by one of the international regulators as potentially suspicious and a transfer of more than like say 10,000 euros from that account would trigger in the United States at least an SAR right away. Not with like, not with any real like human being looking at it and being like, well, why would like that foundation accept all that money from like Osama bin Laden's brother? But like, you know, just like, oh, this guy got $10,000 from an, a you know, Caribbean bank account where we're not exactly sure who owns it, right? And that might trigger an SAR. So it could be, like you said, James, totally, totally benign. Uh, it, the way Liz described the finances, it doesn't seem like uh, Lee himself is totally benign, but it's very possible that the deal itself and Berlusconi, I hate to say this, it may actually have a benign situation going on his his own hands, despite yeah. well benign, more like six and a half. <laughs> right, you're right. I think it's just fair to say that it's very possible that the problem is on Lee's end and not Berlusconi's end. And if one last little point, and it's just a little note, is that at least in the U.S. and I'm pretty sure it's the same in the European Union, the the banks have a duty to file some kind of suspicious activity report whenever they get information that would lead them to think the activity was suspicious. So you even do it retroactively. If you yeah, find out yeah, that yeah, something yeah. was suspicious for something you did years ago, you would then file the report even even though if you missed it the first time. Right, and, and they, they do that. Explain why you missed yeah, it. and, and they do that because if um, in the United States, if they're caught in uh, having not filed one, the penalty, there's treble penalties um, with interest. Bad, so it's, bad, it is a crushing bears. blow. Yeah, bad news bears. So, um, so that's, that's kind of my whole take on, on what might be going on. It, you know, it, I, I don't want to use the word routine because there's not, it's like not necessarily routine. Like these are serious investigations when they happen. Um, but it's just maybe not as sensational as maybe the way you put it. It might not be as sensational as some of the speculation in news outlets are. I mean, if uh, Silvio Berlusconi is like the most legit character in these dealings, <laughs> that's like the biggest worry to me. <laughs> <Is> he... <laughs> He's a dodgy bloke. I think we could, it's fair to say, you know, you can read about him and it's all on record. All he likes sex, gets. folks. He likes sex with prostitutes. Uh, and uh, yeah, sorry. What, what, <laughs> That's what, like the what, least what, objectionable what? thing about him, too. I mean, <laughs> well, no, look, I, I agree. I think that one of the crucial 
parts of this is that the problem, right, that, that we're all identifying is that while this could absolutely be routine, the parties, what we know on background about these parties, right, is that it's hard to give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, no, it's oh, really, really yeah. just, just That's awful. That's completely true. It's like, I, I'd like to, but nothing about the way you've conducted yourself as Berlusconi uh, throughout his career would ever indicate that we should, like, take him at his word about anything. I mean, like, and, like, what's really cool about him, I mean, look, he's, like, really one of my favorite world international political figures, right? Like, obviously, he was elected prime minister of Italy while he was under house arrest. Like, he sort of rules uh, you know i mean obviously he's terrible and a sexual predator and like a all these awful things but he's also like like he does kind of like it's kind of funny and like the fact that he's involved still is is terrible for milan because it's taken years to get the stink of the berlusconi era off of this club yeah uh it's just all bad all round i mean even if everything turned out legit things would still be bad because look at the on-pitch performance and stuff. Milan aren't kicking on. You know, um, I think people are going crazy about Real Madrid's performance right now and they're like fourth or fifth. Correct me if I'm wrong there. Yep. Milan are hanging off the edge, you know, of the top 10. They are in – it's pretty critical for a club of their size. Yeah. Um, you know, if it, Liverpool finish seventh, it'll be a disaster. If, you know, Arsenal go through a crisis every season – um, Milan, uh, you know, you could argue that they're equal or bigger in statue to those clubs, and they are just hanging off the arse of Syria. They are falling out of place. That's literally what the Russians are doing too, right? They're like, yo, like, hey, uh, is your uh, gymnast, like, 10-year-old gymnast not quite jumping high enough? Yo, Check Gabe, out these, like, I'll, amphetamine I'm, steroid combinations. Gabe, I feel like we totally blasted past FIFA refusing to test oh, the Russian fuck. World Cup team. There's that whole documentary come out, Icarus, fucking blowing the lid on it. Have you guys seen that? And then yeah. they're just kind of, nah, uh, it's, it's not a problem. Yo, is yeah. that on yeah, Netflix? Yeah, well, FIFA, FIFA's like, we don't fucking care. The Olympic Committee is like, we're banning all Russians, and FIFA's like, yeah, we're not even going to test. This is cool. I'm actually still recording this, so we can actually just talk about this anyways. But like, <laughs> but no, in, in all seriousness, like, I, I mean, like, what do we expect? FIFA literally is having their World Cup there. They cannot just be like, oh, by the way, like the host of the World Cup is injecting like their fucking players with amphetamines into their dicks so they run faster. Like that's, it's not exactly like something they're going to be able to do, even though like, it is literally that is what's happening and everyone knows about it. And like the U.S. Olympic Commission is like, hi, we know. And we not only that, we have fucking evidence that you got these people are all being doped. And FIFA was like, yeah, cool. Why don't you like fax it to us? And like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't think any nation or their football association is ever sufficiently pissed off of the uh, with FIFA. I think it's only England who are ever pissed off with them and filing reports against them. I don't know any <laughs> other FA or football association in the well, entire world. I mean, I'm a novice to this. I only know what happens in England and our FA, but we're constantly fucking complaining about them. Well, and that's the best of all. No, you're totally right. That's the best in all the world, but that's only because like every FA is like the way we described it last week is that FIFA is the godfather and these guys are all just like trying to pretend to be it. So like if FIFA is like, 
running this huge international corrupt ring where they like literally launder money for Putin. The United States Soccer Federation is hawking diet pills to 10 year olds, right? Like this is like the, like not Fredo, but like Fredo's kid versus like Don Corleone, right? Like if we're going to do a Godfather like analogy, FIFA are the real like absolute top of the line corruption shit. And it's kind of cute that the Americans are even trying to get in the game at all. Yeah. In the in the most fucking American way possible, which is let's just scam some people to buy some sugar pills. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I just had a great idea. Fucking USSF should sell raw water to some of the coaches. Oh my god, there it is. <laughs> and the, and there and there you go. There you on go. The, some like, hey, juiced like a... up kids vomiting on the side of the fucking <laughs> underfunded public fucking soccer. Well, I mean, <laughs> what I want to know is or not enough ever... of your kids dying on the pitch from fucking <laughs> Giardia. Like well, buy that... our raw water that <laughs> the raccoons bathed in. <laughs> has anyone ever looked into the benefits that amoebas can have on your soccer performance? That's what I want to know. <laughs> what are the like, adver- has this been researched? <laughs> what are the advertisements? Though they were like, we don't like that. Like they, these filtered waters keep taking out all the algae <laughs> i don't know that this filtered water takes out the flesh-eating virus in the water <laughs> the flesh <laughs> i hate that the flesh that the uh that the, these stupid brita filters like take out all the lead that's making my kid become a psychopath <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah so like the fifa stuff is i mean like i almost like don't know if there's any like bigger thing to talk about right just because like what do we expect out of fifa like what do we think they're gonna do like maybe after the world cup then they'll be like oh by the way we're gonna ban the russian national team from playing in the next world cup that they're not gonna qualify for anyways yeah i think they can't really top having a world cup in 2022 literally built on the bodies of dead people yeah i think that's that's the master plan it's it's they've the game is done. Like it's already done. That's the what um, if it? What if it's actually right. just one big troll? And they're all and they're like Seth Blatter for years was like, God, I can't fucking believe they keep letting me get away with this. <laughs> what can I do next? It's just and he's like, like, what if I put a World Cup in the summer in the desert and build the stadiums with slave labor? Surely, surely, surely they will not allow me do, to do well, this. Well, it's like I keep watching this TV show with uh, my uh, fiance Eleanor called criminal minds which is like just a show about serial killers right and like one of the things that like serial killers in this show do is like escalate their shit when they think they're not going to get caught and that's exactly what you just described like he's like well they're not going to catch me for laundering like blood money from putin so like how else am i going to like show that i'm powerful i'm going to like hire you know, or not even high, like buy slaves from you know the Indian subcontinent and give the money to someone who literally pays me in like fucking sacks with dollar signs on them <laughs> delivered to my like Swiss hotel, uh, and uh, like they have journalists there to literally take photos of like the dead bodies that are encased in the concrete of the stadiums, <laughs> like. I mean, I, I, so what I'm really fascinated, though, is so what do you think was next on Seth Blatter's, Blatter's plan? My thought is he was going to have FIFA start running just 24-hour, just frivolously burning carbon fuels so that they can <laughs> melt the ice caps and have the 2040 World Cup in Antarctica. There you go. <laughs> oh, I think, I think I can one-up that for the next World Cup after that. I think they will construct a moving city 
almost like Howl's Moving Castle. Um, <laughs> the world, I think we will have pre- approached a, you know, an onset nuclear winter, the way it's going. I think we'll, yeah. you know, be in a right. semi-post-apocalyptic environment. It'll be a moving city, almost built out of ragtag cars and football pitches like Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, and there shit. will be death matches taking place on yeah. that. No, that's, that's, that's really good. Idea. The other option for that, right, post-apocalyptic scenario is that, like, the rich people just Elon Musk it and, like, go to the moon in this, like, fucking uh, ragtag, you know, uh, uh, rich billionaire colony. So the next World Cup after all this shit is just, like... World oh, Cup 2080, Sea of Tranquility. Right. <laughs> exactly. World Cup 2080. Uh, everyone is wearing gravity boots on the moon. Uh, <laughs> and it's uh, all, like, built by the uh, fucking Blade Runner robots. So, like... <laughs> all right. A World Cup completely funded by Peter Thiel, um, who <laughs> makes clones a team of himself and uh, inject drinks the blood of the best football players across the world to make a, a perfect team and you can only buy tickets via paypal <laughs> using, using bitcoin <laughs> what if referees were just computers <laughs> oh i'm and done any to... team that beats him automatically he's got that algorithm that automatically files lawsuits the sick fuck <laughs> Any team that beats him is automatically sued. <laughs> that that's actually really upsetting. <laughs> Did you know about that? Like we're that we're riffing all this, but uh, that's really upsetting. I didn't know that he. Had all that. He has. A, have you not seen that like Gorka documentary on Netflix where he crowdfunded a fucking algorithm to find cases that can be won and crowdfunded? <laughs> Oh my god. That's what, fucked up. What if the justice system were just a computer? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I, I don't have any more like black mirror riffs, but like this is this shit like <laughs> I don't have any like intelligent FIFA takes because I feel like first of all we've done a bunch of intelligent FIFA takes with already on this show, but also with Ernesto. But like I don't I mean like in all seriousness, like we talked about how uh on the last show, James, Evan and I talked about how FIFA is basically just uh, a nonprofit masquerading as a corporate or as a pro- for or sorry, a for profit entity not masquerading as a nonprofit. And like this shit is just another indication of that. Right. Because the nonprofit status allows FIFA to pretend that they don't have to comply with some of the governance rules that these other organizations might follow. And like. One of the things that like is actually a fact about nonprofits and international nonprofits is that they are very good at laundering money. So like FIFA is a hugely profitable front that enriches these cabal of like fucking rhombozoid douchebags like Jack Warner and like the fat dude from the United States who had all those cats. Like that's it. That's all I have to say. Like there's nothing else. Like and like VR in Spain, who is just like this horrible alcoholic who tried to like give his son the profits to all of the Spanish national team friendlies. Like he literally did that. The FA is not, in England's not much better though, because we've recently instituted the Rooney Rule, and I think you'll be familiar with that. Whereas yeah. you hire like one, you interview sorry, a single candidate <laughs> or multiple from a um, you know a non-majority background. So you're hiring you know ethnic minorities. 
But our Rooney rule is where you hire the friends of Wayne Rooney, so Phil <laughs> Neville is getting the England women's job. And, and, and Ryan uh, Giggs is the Welsh uh, coach now, too. Fucking insane. <laughs> so, yeah, um, no, that's the FA. Up and dust yourself off and back in the saddle. You're on the front line, everyone's watching. You know it's serious, we're getting closer. This isn't over. The pressure's off, you feel it, but you got it all. Believe it when you fold it up. Oh, oh, and if you fold it up, because this is Africa. Have you heard? Metro by T-Mobile now includes Amazon Prime. Yes, enjoy the best of shopping and entertainment, movies, TV shows, music, free shipping, and much more. All included for just $40 per line for three lines. All on the T-Mobile network. Discover the smarter way. Metro by T-Mobile. That's genius.
One offer per account. Offer subject to change. $12.99 per month value. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Metro customers may notice reduced speeds versus some T-Mobile customers. Video at 480p. Capable device required. See store for details and terms and conditions. Holiday your heart out at Old Navy. Today only, all sweaters are 50% off. Plus, get 40% off your entire purchase today at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Sweaters valid 11-19, 40% valid 11-15 to 11-20. Exclusions apply. See store for details.